Welcome to episode 11 of the Cards and Cartridges podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, a.k.a. OG Retro. I'm here with my man, Chris, a.k.a. Koozie Retro Games. Today, we're talking about PSA acquiring Genement or Genement, however you say that company's name. Uh, kind of, I, I wanted to touch on the CGC uh, price increase too. I, I had that in my notes. I didn't even tell you about that, Chris. I want to touch on that. I was going to uh, bring that up because I saw you ranting on your story the other day about it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about it real quick. And then Chris is going to lead us through uh, Sony announcing how they were taking down the uh, PSP, PS3 and PS Vita e-store. And then a week or so later, they brought it back. Um, Very, very interesting. Chris is also going to lead us through a conversation about how we display our card collections, how we store our card collections. We've talked about video game displaying and uh, storage. We're going to talk about how we uh, display and store our tcg cards oh yeah awesome um let's start with the pc uh, pca psa pcp pc what? we're starting with pcp today <laughs> that's it's it's a, it's a hardcore type of day no psa acquiring this company again i don't know how to say their name i want to say genament it's g-e-n-a-m mint do you think it's genament genament or genament what do you think sentiment Genement. I'm going to say Genement yeah. too. So they acquired Genement. Uh, it was interesting. I, I, I read the story and apparently Genement was looking for uh, some more funding. They weren't even really thinking about selling, but PSA actually approached them while they were looking for funding. and was like, would you be considering, would you consider just selling it outright? What like, is Genement? It's so Genement's an artificial intelligent company that specifically deals with trading cards. Okay, like uh, a grading aspect of them? Yeah, assessing condition of trading cards. Um, so I don't know if they were an independent grading company before or like if this was just technology that they planned to kind of do something with because they were looking for funding for more funding or something. Mm-hmm. But it's this technology that assesses the cards using artificial intelligence and uh, is said to... so. So the question was like, are they replacing the human element of grading, right? Like, is that, um, but PSA said, no, I'm just going to answer that real. PSA said, no, it's just kind of adding or whatever. But what okay. do you think? Like, do you think it, it that statement could, it, here, I'll read you exactly I don't, I don't what he said. I don't understand how that statement makes sense because yeah. are they going to use it to double check what the humans say or, or are the humans going to double check what the AI says? I think, so I personally think I'm a, I'm a, big fan i guess of of ai and kind of using it in conjunction and supplementing uh like the workforce with it so i think i think honestly i think ai could be better at grading cards i think grading cards is so subjective or not so it should be it's too subjective right now and needs to be more objective yeah so is there any companies right now that use ai does cgc use ai I'm not sure. I know they do the high quality scans and everything of the cards and then okay. doing that. I'm not sure if they're actually using artificial. I, I mean, we can double check that. And if you guys know anything about how CGC grades, I, I'm pretty sure it's still a human, but I'm not. Always, like, I mean, I whenever I send off cards, I say a little prayer. I'm like, I, I pray yeah. my grader has his cup of coffee, his morning poop, yeah. and he's in a good day. And yeah. like, just he's, he's feeling good. But like, I'd assume the in each grader's cubicle or however they do it, they have like obviously a sheet telling them like 
each oh, yeah. each uh, miss whatever mishap takes off so such and so points until you get to the lower grades. Um, but I mean, one mishap to one grader could be a, not a mishap to the other. Like you could see a speck of a corner and then and the one grader could be like, oh, the corner's fucked. But the other grader could be like, okay, we'll let that pass for this time. Right. Yeah, it, there, there's definitely, and that's been talked about a lot in the market and people post eBay sales that sell, you know, I think most recently, even the most recent base set Charizard that sold like first edition with like PSA 10 looked so shot. Like really? it, it, it looked so like eight, like eight or definitely not a 10, wow. like the corners were definitely all fucked. And a lot of the, you could see a lot of whitening on the edge. And it was like the, the front looked pretty good. Like the, the eye appeal of the car was real nice, whatever. But it's still like by today's standards, I feel like would definitely be like an eight or yeah. should have been like an eight. It didn't look that the back looked really fucked. And so I think I'm in the I'm in the court that with artificial intelligence, we'll see way higher like accuracy. Like yeah. I, I hope and and especially because AI is trained too. like the point of AI is that it can learn like, mm -hmm. and so the more cards, the system grades and the more cards it sees and like, like it can PSA can train it by cross, like basically cross referencing it. So like feeding the AI, like the graders results. So if exactly. they grade a 10, I, it's hard for me to explain in, in a way that makes sense, I feel like. But if they show the AI, like the machine learning, a 10, it'll know what a 10 looks like. And it it'll, be, such a weird it'll be able so to... mind-boggling. It'll be able to identify things that look like the perfect 10 that, like, the best PSA grader did. So, like, yeah. the, the CEO of PSA could, like, say, like, what a 10 looked like, and the yeah. AI could fucking match that. Like every time perfectly, no greater error. It doesn't machine learning doesn't have to have its cup of coffee. So it's like exactly. And then you have employees that check those grades that make sure it's good, make sure everything's good. And then they can they can basically get rid of all most not get rid of, but transfer the employees that were doing grading and have them work on the next step, like, because they're going to need to expand that. So like, they're going to need more employees doing the next stuff. And that was so the next I, question to you. How did you, I, did, did you feel like PSA was going to get backlash maybe just from the community because they just went through this thing where they hired in a bunch of people and they're like, yeah, we're hiring people. We're providing all these jobs. Then they bring in these AIs. It's, it's like when a grocery store gets a bunch of self-checkout machines, like, is it taking away from the human's jobs? Yeah. I mean, I think in, I mean, in essence, not really, but like, if you look at it, so on one side, yes, the, I think a lot of quote unquote grading jobs, greater jobs, like, I don't think that will exist as the smarter this AI system gets. Mm -hmm. And if we can see it implemented at the scale that I am thinking about, and like, I hope that they are to like, quote, like they want this to help solve their back, the backlog problem. Oh like yeah. They, it's going to create so much more speed. Exactly. So like, obviously if that happens they're trying to get rid like they're trying to get because that's a huge i feel like bottleneck to have to have a human sit there examine a car like really go over the minutiae with a out uh magnifying glass and mm -hmm. everything uh that's gonna suck 
that that sucks. And then you replace that with machine. But then, so that job goes away. But I think actually you're going to, you might have more jobs created by the AI because you're going to need, obviously the volume is going to increase. I don't know like what percentage you'd be looking at, like wh- like what times, but like a lot. Yeah. Like yeah. if, if, if there, if this is implement, implemented, like, like I said, the way I think they want it to be, they're trying to do like, right now, I think that an article came out, but with human resources, they're doing 20, 20 to 25,000 cards a day. Wow. Grading 20 to 25,000 cards a day. And keep in mind, they were getting 500,000 cards a week. Yeah. That's why they have the backlog that they do. Yeah, it's insane. And the the day before the PSA shutdown, they got six over six hundred thousand submissions one day. Because everybody heard about the everybody heard about versus- everybody heard it. Yep. Um. So, anyways, where was I going with that? So, oh, the jobs that will be created by this. So, yes, the grading jobs. I think you're going to lose a lot of individual graded jobs, but that's a good thing. You're going to have so many people, so many more assembly jobs needed. I think, like actually the physically encapsulating the cards like that, those jobs are going to open up like crazy. We need, we're going to need so many more people doing that. And I think there's going to be steps now before, before like there's going to be jobs before the card goes to the machine, like accepting and like cataloging. I think that that, that takes a long time. My, my one latest PSA submission set in like arrived for so yeah. long and then research an ID for so long. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. So, so that stuff, I think they're going to be able to move along faster with actually having like more bodies, you, you know? know, when this is supposed to come into play. Um, let me see here. Um, I have the article right here. Dude. <laughs> Was Let's the see. PSA like CEO on like an interview and that's where this came out or did they come out with an official statement? This was um this was just a quick statement in an interview by uh sportscollectorsdaily.com. Cool. I think it's and, great. Yeah, I, I'm I'm about it. I, I like it. I think oh and and like the people actually maintaining the software, like people working on the the AI, like that's a yep. job too. Running the software is a job. The 100%. people running the computers is a job. So like I think um uh, I don't Where think jobs are lost in one place is jobs going to open up in other places. Yeah. And, and maybe because it's going to be more efficient, maybe more jobs are going to open. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Two quick um, things for kind of what we're talking about yeah. PSA and grading one. Um, when PSA opens back up after the shutdown, do you think prices are still going to be at that jacked up price? Or do you think prices are going back to normal? Um, it's a great question. Because I think they said that they jacked up the price to try to slow down submissions, but yeah. that didn't work. So they had to totally shut down. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I think, I think, well, yeah, not completely. I think it's going to come down to somewhere in the middle of where it was and yeah. where we are now. And also you got to remember they closed that they, there were no more, uh, there were no more, membership tiers you couldn't buy you couldn't buy psa memberships anymore which were which were tiers that gave you access to cheaper grading costs and everything Mm -hmm. so i think those will come back uh as well once they get their shit figured out yeah and so that'll be another option for people 
I I don't think that we're going to see like at one point you could send in bulk subs for like $7 a card or something yeah. like, like really like $9. A card. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really, really cheap. I don't think we're going to see that again. Um, I mean, everything is raising in price. Inflation's a real thing. So I don't think we're going to see that. It's also uh, just if you're doing so much business that you're coming out the back door, why not raise price to people are still going to pay it? Yeah, I agree. It's in the end of the day, they're a business, you know, it, exactly. and I, I, we can quickly touch on uh, the CGC uh, price increase too. And everybody kind of knew it was coming. So if you didn't know, CGC went and followed suit with the other grading companies uh, raising their prices or announcing they're going to raise their prices. They're not, it doesn't go into effect until uh, I believe cards sent, cards received after May 28th uh, will be uh, the new prices cards received before May 28th will be honored with the old pricing, which is pretty generous of them to like, I feel like just none of both the other grading companies. It was like, PSA week, was like. just like a rumor that got leaked and everybody started panic sending. Yeah. 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 It was weird. I, I could be wrong, but I feel like the other two companies didn't give that much notice. No. Um, BGS, maybe, maybe, maybe a couple weeks. So I could be wrong. Anyway, price is increasing. Prices increased, I believe, from 15 to 22 per card. Oh, so we're not doubling like PSA. No, I don't. Th that's what I was saying. And that's that was like my big thing. It wasn't that crazy of a price increase. It was, Yeah, it's I mean, it's a chunk. It's a solid percent. You're sending in a lot. If you're sending 100 cards, it's a good amount of money. But like you said, it's not double like PSA or triple like you know psa is wild but how much is it to submit cards to bgs now is it about like that hundred dollars per card no you can still submit uh like i think i'm gonna check but i believe it's still i've never 55. submitted bgs before i believe it's still 30 and 55 but i could be wrong let's see here uh submission form oh my gosh I'm looking it up right now. Bear with me. Yeah, because I've never submitted to BGS, but I thought when I was looking on there, it was $100 per card, but maybe I was looking at more of a faster turnaround time, and I thought maybe... I think sports cards are different. I was going to say, sports cards have a different price than trading cards, which is kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. Beckett is a little weirder than, like, they're... Oh, gosh, whatever, dude. This is... You can't figure it out. Oh, online price guy? No. I'm done. I'm <laughs> done. Uh, we'll get back to you on last one. On. I wanted to bring that's, up about this. That's the thing, though. Beckett's website is so confusing. That's like VG, VGA's website is brutally used. You ever grade yeah. VGA video games? Absolutely not. It's I hate. I hate you their. Get, you get errors when you click like on links, and it's just brutal. Wada walks you through with a cupcake in one hand and your your hand in their other hand. It's so easy. Um, okay, I did. Last thing I, wanted, I did find it. Last thing I want to bring up. <laughs> I'm fine. Tell us. We've been waiting for five minutes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay. So you can still, it's still really, it's nice, dude. Uh, $20 a card, $35 a card for economy, uh, $50 a card. You can get no subgrades for cheaper too. And then Express yeah. is 100 So it's still not bad. Anyways, continue. So my, I'm trying to say, uh, so my last thing about grading, 
in the sports card community and we sports cards and we've talked about this before on the podcast how there's like numbered cards out of 99 out of 25 etc when when it comes to one of ones people Mm -hmm. are kind of a lot of people are against grading one of ones and i don't see why well i guess i do because they're all like so out of the newest basketball set that just got released within Mm -hmm. like the first two days the lebron james one of one got pulled so it's like, imagine pulling that, you're rich. You're, you're rich pulling the LeBron James 101. But it graded, graded through PSA, and it came back as 7.5. Wow. So people are like, that's why you don't grade 101s. But I feel like the condition, as long as it's not like bent in half, shouldn't yeah. really matter a ton, especially when it's a one-of-one, especially of a high player like LeBron. Well, that's what I... <laughs> We know sports cards collectors are weird, okay? I I truly believe they're stranger than Pokemon card collectors. <laughs> I don't know how they function. It's bizarre to me. But I think what about just grading it as authentic? That could be because my thing is not I'm not even thinking of like the grade in my head. I just like the protective case that it's in. So when you send in the I don't trust a LeBron James one of one in a top loader or even like a one touch I want it in the protective graded case so yeah. grading as authentic would be great I think yeah um that that's a great idea but it's like I don't people are just like you shouldn't grade one yeah of but one. I, I, I don't understand why they're so butthurt about condition on a one of one card there was some yeah especially when it's like LeBron um, there was there was another thing that came out. So like a Juan Soto one of one got graded by Beckett, and it was like mm-hmm. a nine or whatever, a nine five or whatever. The guy cracked it and then resubmitted it to PSA, and it was a, like a Juan Soto autograph card. But in the process of him cracking it and submitting it, the auto got smudged, and then it Idiot. got submitted to PSA. And now people are like, "Well, is Beckett gonna update the population report saying like?" we didn't grade this card and now PSA graded it. It's just, it's, that's it's a whole crazy. mess. And I bet that guy wants to end, end it all. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. All right. We've been babbling. Let's move on. All right. Uh, you're, you should take us through a topic now. It's your turn. <laughs> cool. Let's talk about Sony and them yeah. announcing that they're going to close the PS3 PS Vita and PSP online stores. Insanity. So if you haven't heard, Sony announced that they were going to do that, and the market went insane. Ape People shit. were, oh my god! It's like you went from like a shout Tuesday, out Corey Sally. Yeah, that dude. He's <laughs> going for the full PS3 set. He's close. Psychopath. Um, but uh, PS3 basically, your Tuesday night, nobody really cares about PS3. Sony announces that they're shutting down the online store, and all of a sudden, everybody's a PS3 collector. You're seeing all these games just jump in price, especially like the RPGs or the horror games. Yep. Just skyrocket in price. The biggest one I saw was there was this game called Best of PlayStation Network Volume 1. Yeah. And just to kind of give you some price charting history, in um, February, it was tw- it was valued at $26 com- complete on price charting. After Sony announced that they were shutting out down the market, it jumped to $150 complete in March. And just now it's like in April, it's $113 complete. So you just saw this giant spike. Oh my God, the market's oh closing. And then Sony's like, oh, never mind. We're actually going to keep them open. And it's coming right back down to earth. Yeah. I mean, pretty. so pretty much my thoughts on that are kind of everything you just described. I mean, 
it's just crazy. The, the it's thing just crazy. About, it's how how fast people can be like, oh my god, now I have to collect PS3. Right. How fast the prices change. How fast people how, jump on a trend, or like oh how fast god. people FOMO, like fear missing out. FOMO. That that happens in the stock market all the time. It's like people get in late to the party, and it's and uh, I mean sometimes it pays off. But most of the you, time it does. Most of the time. Cheap. Also yeah, if you're chasing the cast. money, right. If you're chasing the money, something usually happens. And uh, in this case, uh, <laughs> Sony, like, Sony the just CEO, said, ah, the, CEO, <laughs> the CEO came out and was like, we made a bad decision. We're not going to close these shops. I think they're still closing the PSP shop, but they're still going to keep PS3 and PS Vita. And the one that shocked me the most was PS3 because PS Vita is already a collectible system and something you don't find often. Prices are already kind of wonky on those. But just the fact that like, and like, you you think of like, when the PS3 was going to start being collectible just over a normal time frame and people, excuse me, wanting to start to collect that, you would have seen the Xbox 360 also start to gain popularity in that time. Right. But the fact that the PS, the Sony servers or the Sony stores like, all right, we're shutting down and PlayStation went to the moon, but nothing happened with 360. It's just yeah. crazy. Yeah, and I think, well, the thing is, too, Xbox does a really good job with Game Pass. I feel like bringing back a lot of the 360 games mm-hmm. available, like, play for free and, like, all this cool shit. So also, I backwards feel, compatib- compatibility yeah, that too, they do like, really well with. They do, yeah, back, it's Xbox systems have been backwards compatible for, like, ever, which is badass. I've got um, a backwards compatible PS3 in our live claim sale tonight, but you guys hey. will hear this late. <laughs> <laughs> this is true someone will probably have already bought it fingers crossed real quick because we know you guys dip out at the end of the uh, uh podcast just want to announce something real quick um we are gonna i think we're we're gonna release an episode so this is coming out on monday and then we're gonna release an episode the monday after but i think we may be taking a week off somewhere there i'm going on like a two-week road trip with my girlfriend and this is going to find are... himself yes going on a yes. soul-searching mission I wish I've been working the entire time. I wish you could be something where you just like drive into the sunset in the cornfields of Iowa and like reminisce. Dude, that's life. well, no, no, no. That's where the the children of the corn live, bro. You don't want to get up killed. a hitchhiker on the way and let him tell you his life story. That's a fun story. That's a good <laughs> yeah, one. But going on going on a little road trip, and then we're gonna have uh, three weeks off from the claim sale from it. Don't know what Ryan's gonna be doing during that time. He'll keep you guys updated. But yeah. we'll cook something up. We'll we'll cook something up. No, I'm not gonna cheat on you, but. We'll cook but yeah, up. so like back to the PlayStation, it's just nice. It's, it's literally just crazy. And the PS3 and Vita online stores are here to here to stay, so you guys can chill on the PS3 train. But but here's the thing: when you say here to stay, for now, for now, yes. So I think this is a very interesting thing, though, still to look at. I think this because everybody kind of always asks, like. What's the next thing to collect? What, when am I, what, like N64 is getting too expensive. GameCube's getting too expensive. PlayStation 2 is so expensive. Uh, Dreamcast, so expensive. What do you collect next? Well, here's a little insight. Insight. You saw what happened when stores start to shut, shut down, when digital mm-hmm. games become unavailable and people want that stuff. You just, everyone there, go check eBay sold for PS3 games and go buy those games now that they dropped again. Because... Yeah. Those are the games that when the PS3 store does event, because it's not going to stay up forever, like no. online store that just does. And same thing with the Nintendo eShop. 
uh, games that are available on the Nintendo eShop well, that are also available physically, those might want to be games that you want to take a look at in terms of collecting for the long term. Plus, especially like these popular eShop games, things like that you see like kids, like just your normal everyday parents buying games for their kids or just kids playing these games. They probably don't really care if it's digital or uh, or physical. Oh, 100%. So, if they're, so a lot of them are buying digital, which then just puts less supply out when these things are actually in demand. Yeah. Well, they produce a certain amount. So I wouldn't quite say that like they might do more print runs depending on demand, but when, when like first launch, they'll produce a certain amount. So, but yeah, but yeah, there still could be a lower supply in the long term because there's not a second print run or whatever of that game. Um, It just just feeds into the market of how crazy collecting is right now. It's just another, another thumbtack on the wall. It's like just another thing up there. A hundred percent, dude. That's a fun it's just so interesting. I think it's and this I, all happened within the span of like a week. A week. I, but you so that's I just think it's so important for people that really want to like tap into that next thing. So like pay attention to shit like this and like pay attention to uh stuff that won't be available. I think soon. we use such an untapped market still. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, it's a great point. We you nobody even knows what like half of Nintendo collectors like don't really know what the Wii U is. Even like just normal like parents things that don't know what the Wii U is. I think it's a Wii. Yeah. And it's just like that's gonna be so collectible. It's like get these like, and there's so many different like special yeah. edition big boxes and things like that. Like I just got a graded Zelda big box. Like I wouldn't imagine that that's gonna skyrocket when we use collecting starts to go up. A hundred percent. But just for just to give you some idea. The Wii U only sold 13.56 million units. Okay. okay. Only 13 million. That might sound like a big number, but that's literally like Nintendo's worst selling anything of yeah. ever. Yeah. So the next, the next worst thing, and I'm surprised, but like the GameCube sold 22 million units, but that was also during a time when Nintendo was uh, not kind of like the leader. Mm-hmm. of the of the of the space like sony yes. was kicking ass so that makes sense because the playstation i love talking about this stuff and i know we're going on tangents but that's what podcasts are playstation <laughs> 2 sold more than 155 million units bro so 120 million or 140 there, yeah, million less more yeah that's was the game so many yeah, yeah and the wii u is like yeah 140 million less than a PlayStation 2. It sold basically, it just beat out the Sega Game Gear in popularity. What did? J- the Wii U. <laughs> wow. Just with the Virtual Boy. What's the worst one? Virtual Boy? Uh, vir- Is it listed? Let's see. Virtual Boy, Virtual Boy, Virtual Boy. Virtu- Maybe it's not even listed. Yeah, just I've got a factory sealed Wii U, which I'm excited about. Not even about. listed on this. <laughs> I'm not sure. That's funny. But yeah. yeah. Tap into the Wii U. And it's another reason why I think it's going to be so collectible. Collectors like to do full sets, and the Wii U's got one of the smallest sets. Are there some really rare games for the Wii U? Yeah. So there are. So there's some rare games for the Wii U. And even those, a lot of the rare games are like less than 50 bucks right now. Like you can. So it's just like, so there's like the most expensive Wii U game, I believe, is called Devil's Third. 
Um, shout out to Brentstagram. I think he's got a factory sealed copy. I'm trying to get him to grade. Hell yeah. Um, Brent, so Brent has a bunch of cool Wii U stuff. He just has so much random stuff. So uh, Devil's Third is a good one. Hello Kitty Cruisers is pretty uh, rare. Wii Sports Club is expensive. There's a Mario and Sonic at the 2016 Winter Sochi Games, something like that. That's pretty expensive. Um, and obviously, like, there's a lot. So the Wii was big into, like, special edition big boxes. So I can see, like, they did, like, Mario Party 10. They did one with, like, a, a Bowser Amiibo, a Peach Amiibo, a Mario Yeah, they Amiibo, did some Toad Amiibo. really cool big so boxes. you may see, like, something, like, to where, like, the Peach Amiibo version is expensive later in life or it's it's crazy i love wii u collecting i've got like seven games wow so you're like close yeah and a lot of them are factory sealed because i was buying up a lot of so walmart's around me would discount their wii u games between like three and three three cents i was getting wii u games for three cents that's insane three cents and five dollars and i was just buying every one i didn't have why not dude that's honestly a really good call i got like 10 copies of mario tennis sealed for like three dollars you still have it? Still yeah. have 10? I would uh, love to. I, may, I might not have 10, but I, I've got a good stash. I want to grab one yeah. if you'd sell one to me because Mario Tennis is like one of my favorite. Uh, Dude, I think I think even on eBay, they're like 20 bucks for a sealed copy. And things that like makes that. sense. Yeah, like, that makes sense. I, I bet I bet they produced a lot of these games. Although, dude i don't know because like i was just saying with the print run thing like if the demand wasn't there they weren't just gonna fill the stores with these things no and it's so hard but i i really don't know how that supply chain works you look at something like 3ds and you're trying to bet on what games are gonna be expensive for the 3ds and there's so many out there and you're like do you you don't want to start spending money on random games that have the potential to not go up but I think once you narrow down a set to so small, like the Wii U, it's easier yeah. to pinpoint those games. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you, like you just said, even if you don't pinpoint the Wii U is such a small set. And if you, and even all, if you want to start <laughs> Wii U collecting right now and you just want to collect and not play buy sealed on a lot of these games, the difference between, even if you're buying on eBay, the difference between complete and sealed is like $10. Yeah. I think that's smart. It, it only makes sense. Why not? Yeah. The sealed market's going nuts right now. That's a that's we've talked about it before, but it's just like, whew, right? Yeah. Another tangent down. What what can we tangent on next? <laughs> I feel like I did want to take that take that conversation to a tangent. I was like, kind of uh, holding myself back. But what even started go- that conversation? Oh, sh- Sony shutting down. When we got into yeah. Wii U collecting. <laughs> Sony shutting down. Going into Wii U collecting. Yeah. Welcome to, welcome to the cards and cartridges podcast everybody hell yeah dude we can we can end it with a uh, oh no we wanted to talk about let's talk about your i don't want to talk about my last topic let's talk about, about your mine? yeah the the how to display cards i think cool. that's such a better topic so last week we talked about um kind of uh how we display our cards and was last week no two weeks ago was one with retro alley right yeah, two weeks ago we had so Retro Alley. Two weeks on. ago we talked about with Retro Alley kind of how we display our uh, our game collections. And I know Ryan, you have a pretty big card collection. So I want to hear some of your thoughts on how you display your card collection or store your card collection. Yeah. So it's um I don't know. I I was talking to my uh my friend Rock Pokemon today. We talked, I don't know if we talked a little bit about this, but the first thing that comes to my mind, actually we did. I really like Cause okay, so you've got sealed product, you've got 
like singles, you've got slab product or slab pieces in your collection. You've got maybe um, what else could there be like? Uh, yeah, just oh, like yeah, maybe the, the, bulk those. bulk cards that you don't really know what to, to do to with. A separate topic after you talk about this. So I'm someone who started by just focusing on like uh, binder sets. Like I just, I think the first thing I literally did was finish the base unlimited binder set. Like I got all those, uh, like just all those cards, knocked it out, and uh, that started it. So I love binder sets and i have pretty much every wizards of the coast besides like the expedition series i have every other wizards of the coast binder set i missed out on a shadowless binder set I'm, today. Saying, I'm sorry to bring this topic up today when you yeah, missed out on your shadowless no, fuck set. that don't want to talk about that uh i and the funny thing is i do have like a complete shadowless not like all the non-hollows i actually do have that all those cards yeah. but yeah whatever that was lame. Anyways, I like binder sets. And then, so those are obviously easily, uh, like, you just store them in a binder. That's that's the answer there. Um, and they look good. Someone from and what do you mean by that? It's just a three-ring binder with some trading card sleeves. But there's nuance to that. Different? I do it different because I don't like the uh, three-ring three ring binders because they have a tendency to maybe put dents in the cards. Okay. The ring, the rings in the middle will put, uh, especially that's why you see Charizard's number four. Oftentimes you'll see Charizard, uh, with a dent on the left, Whoa. left, left edge because that binder is full and it crinks in on the like Charizard. Oh, that makes a lot of sense actually. And so, yeah, yeah. So Charizard being number four will often have, if, if it wasn't like, if it was like a binder card and yeah. maybe like in a, a kid's binder where it wasn't like, like a school binder or something like that that just yeah, had the or, or kid just like, like a really flipping through it yeah flipping through it real quick it it had a tendency to get a, a, a little nick or like a little dent in the left side yeah so i use uh i use like ultra pro makes really good binders uh card guard makes really good binders but anything that's doesn't have the rings and just has pages like bound to like a book almost like a portfolio uh and they they like fit sleeves really nicely so you can do card sleeve binder like card sleeve binder card sleeve binder do, do those binders uh pages do you just put the card in the sleeve or do you put the card in a top uh, a penny sleeve and then in the binder yeah that's what i'm saying yeah so like a penny sleeve or like a perfect okay. fit and then into a into the binder sleeve itself and how do you keep track of what you're missing is it just kind of off the dome or do you have like an excel spreadsheet of like cards you're missing from each set so back when I was missing like a lot of cards, I did that. I had an Excel sheet and I think Pokey Collector is a good website too. I think that's what it's called. If you make an account, you can like track, track what track yep. sets. And it's really good because it has like full images of the cards and everything and a nice layout. So like you'll, it's, I use Pokey Collector for the set list when I'm organizing my binders so I can see like, like just numbered visually yes. what the pages should yes. look like um so that's that's a good tip there but yeah so i think it's i think it's a good way to just know what you need but at this point like i said my binder collections are pretty much full pretty much done i'm working on the shining fates shiny vault so i do i do actually have a pokey collector uh thing for that like a is there an app for that or just a website 
I think it's just a website. Maybe there, I use it on my phone too. So okay. it's mobile friendly at the very least. Cool. Um, and th- so moving on from binder sets, then you got single cards, which nice single cards, if I'm selling them, they'll be in a penny sleeve in top, lo- a top loader or a card saver. Like it depends how nice they are. Yeah. Um, maybe like uh, five to five to 15 might just be in a uh, perfect fit and into a top loader and anything above 15, probably get a card saver. Uh, Do you use uh one touches at all? No, fuck that. You know, like Every, yeah, I think most people hate them. And so I hate them, which is just kind of pretty, pretty lame, pretty lame reasoning to hate something. I hate going along with the crowd, not actually using the product. And, I've got a couple but, of cards and one touches, just more personal collection cards. Um, just kind of the more gives them more of a sense of security than just a, a those are the ones loader. are those like the, the ones little that, magnet no the, no i'm not those are screw downs screw downs okay so yeah people screw hate down. screw downs yeah that's it, if they're in a, like, especially a lot of older cards if you find like yeah. your dad's collection he may have mm-hmm. cards and screw downs yeah it was and like a lot of those if you if you unscrew them the cards will be like stuck to the glass or whatever oh wow, 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 wow. no one touches are like a current thing where mm-hmm. it's like a screw down but it comes but down with magnet. a magnet and it's they're like engraved out so like the car isn't specifically like pressed up against two pieces of glass right you can get That's one smart. touches at walmart and i've got a couple cards in them i really like them you like them and do the cards do you put a sleep the cards going to sleep first or no no interesting and do the cards at least i don't maybe i'm doing it wrong do the cards rattle around at all or no it's it's a it's a pretty perfect fit. it's like a psa case kind of if you if you go like that if you kind of shake yeah. it you can hear it a little bit but it's it's a pretty perfect fit yeah interesting i'm gonna check this out so but thank you for the other way to so one touches there you go it's, it, it's the size of like just it's it's made out of acrylic so it's like a psa case so it's yeah. nice it's sturdy i think I, i've definitely seen them i've just never used them oh um, package i got a package coming to you tomorrow whatever i think i have an extra one i'll send you one. Oh yeah thank you and then for PSA cards and like for graded cards, there are so many. I mean, this you can go so many ways because I ideally one day when I have like a dope house would love to have a really legit display, like like a glass cabinet of like all my the, like the legendary collection, some of the more higher end cards like a cabinet that locks like really heavy duty glass, like really nice. Like I'd pay for something crazy. Um, But like right now, even like I I did pay for something crazy Uh, for my, for my PSA, my graded card collection. I got a crazy, like, so it's, it's, it's it's a huge case and it's custom laser engraved and uh, laser cut foam and laser everything. And my man kill hall on Instagram did it for me. And I paid him, so it's not not free product. I wish, uh, but super dope. It is so it holds all my PSA. It's it's it can hold like a hundred cards right now, and, and it holds PSA and BGS, right? Yeah, I got him to make it for for both sizes, and I might ask him again now because I already have ideas to make. I can get more foam for it, so like I can yeah. do different foam inserts i can buy another case if i wanted to hell but i want to get another one that's a slightly different design maybe to add cgc slabs as well so i'll have 
three rows and do PSA Beckett and CGC. And I think we can squish them together a little right now. They're really, I like how spaced apart they are because it's such a cool, it, it doubles as a display almost. Like if you yeah. put this, if you put it on the table, like you can really see all the end labels stick out and you can just quickly. A lot of those like kind of briefcase style cases I see mm-hmm. there, they are jammed in there. So you kind of just have to yeah. grab a card. You don't know what you're grabbing. Right. And that was, that was kind of the thing. Like, yes, you could probably fit like a th- like a thousand PSA cards in this, like slabs in this case that I have, it's that big. Yeah. but you wouldn't be able to see them. And so maybe that's just like another, another piece of foam that I get if I want to switch that out, because that's another cool thing with these, these style cases is the foam is replaceable. And depending on like what you want to do and how you want your car. And like I said, this is like a full custom laser engraving. So I'm not, or laser. Yeah. Laser cutting for the foam. Do you have a picture so, of it on your Instagram? Yeah, I do. So yeah, if, check out at OG retro on Instagram. If you want to see a picture of that, I posted a couple, a p- couple posts back, maybe like four, but uh, yeah, it's just, if you want to go that route, like that's something you can do. And that's something I can like lock. It's super like waterproof, fireproof, like awesome, super badass. So like uh, it definitely, definitely a good way to go if you want to keep them safe and you're not like putting them in a safety deposit box. Cause I think that's a good option too. Like if you have some really, really hot, number one, ensure your collection. It, yes. I, that is a no brainer. You can add it onto like a, par, a renter's insurance. That's how I have mine through. You can add it. You can do it separate through like Haggerty and stuff. Did you have to prov- provide some type of like, this is what my collection is worth or did they just kind of take your word for it? I, I had to provide like some things, but Loki kind of fudged it and got it, got them to, got it to work. And like, I, I hope in this, I hope in the day that I ever need to, I hope the day never comes i need to make a client claim but um i think like i I talked to him a bit about it i should be covered for at least a good amount of it that's good (laughs) i pay a good amount per month so yeah anyways get get collector's insurance if you have some crazy shit and consider if you do have some crazy shit and you live in an area that might not be as friendly or whatever uh locking it up in a safety deposit box that you can go and uh, check out or you know somewhere that's safe definitely yeah i mean i don't have many cards um i got one binder i'm going for the base set i just kind of keep my cards in there i've got an excel spreadsheet of cards i was still missing from that so i'll like look at that whenever i get find a lot or find pictures um i mean find cards I've, i've thought about going for the other sets and for me, it really just comes down to space. It's like, do I need to start collecting more shit and taking up more room? But I think if I did do it, I would collect binder sets. And then for my graded cards, I just went on eBay and got graded card stands. And I have a little shelf on the wall in my room and I have all my graded card stands and my cards kind of just facing out right there. And they, they display really nice and the card stands are really cheap. Hell yeah. I've uh, I've 3D printed a couple of card stands myself awesome. um, and they work great for displaying the... Uh, displaying the graded cards and such i forgot to say i was going to talk about uh sealed product real quick how i uh how i do that and like there's someone on instagram silver.gt who makes phenomenal acrylic uh it, it, they remind me of one touches because they're magnetic i guess they're they're but they're for booster packs and blister packs and uh booster boxes and like but and they 
they're so nice. So check him out too. I have a bunch of his, a bunch of his products. I have a bunch for my uh, older vintage booster packs and then a couple for blisters and phenomenal work. And that's something I want to get more of, especially for like video game systems. It's like, even just plastic cases for like some of my sealed systems. Yeah. And my birthday's coming up. So I was trying to think of stuff for my birthday. I was like, oh, maybe I'll just sending my girlfriend links and she's going to think I'm a loser, but I'm going to say like, here, order me these. Hell yeah. No, that's the way to go. Cool. <laughs> All right, let's got, get to the viewer question. Let's get to the viewer question. So if you don't follow us already on Instagram at cards and cartridges podcast, you are missing out. Every Wednesday on our story, we ask for a question of the week. This week's question of the week comes from our boy Young Games nine one six, the absolute absolute homie on Instagram. If you're not already Go. following him, check him out. Um, he proposes a question. He asks, "Is the physical retail space gone for games and cards?" And also thoughts on the current market versus where it's going. So I guess we can kind of. I don't know if he meant for us to take those in two separate questions or if they go together. They kind of go together. We've talked about a lot about the market, but we can, yeah, you know, mainly, mainly focusing on is the physical retail space gone for games and cards. And I think we'd be good to touch on this because we've ran live claim sales 30 plus now. So we online sell games yeah. and then also young games. Um, I want to have him as a guest on the podcast. I think he'd be great for this topic too, is he actually uh, owns an online retro game store called retrodelio.com. Check it out. Kind of Ryan, what are your thoughts on his question? Yeah, so I think guys, let's be honest here. With ev- I think every industry is going online. Like it's it's digital or nothing really. Like unless you're a doctor, and even that, like telehealth now, like like all my doctor's appointments during the pandemic were virtual. So like, even that is a online thing now, apparently. So I think to say, and selling video games in a brick and mortar store just doesn't make sense. I don't like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe all the brick and mortar store owners can prove me wrong and make way more money than me. And, you know, you know, get better deals. And, Honestly, probably some of that is true. I know some stores that are still in business. I know another store that opened two times near me and closed both times because they just couldn't, couldn't do it. Like, and so I just, I think, I think digital is the way to go. You're not paying, not paying overhead for like the overheads way less, obviously the biggest thing. So I, I, I think there's two and things. And that's for that. video games. I can talk about cards in a little bit of a different angle. Let's, let's hit video games real quick. So the biggest thing, the biggest advantage to having a physical brick and mortar store is your inventory comes to you. 100%. I know from doing 30 live claim sales with, with Ryan, working a full-time job, trying to have fun as a 22-year-old, and then also it being the quote-unquote slow season to where there's no garage sales. It's been difficult finding inventory. Yeah. I've been kept in, we both been grinding our asses off to bring you guys inventory every 50 items a week. It's been yeah. crazy. Um, so I think the biggest thing to a um brick and mortar store is the inventory walks into you. Also, right. if you have a brick and mortar store, I think there are certain things you can do to really up your sales. And I'm gonna t- talk so I follow and watch daily 
uh, Cy Cooper on YouTube. He's out in like Washington, double jump. He owns double jump video games, opened two, three years ago or whatever. Washington is kind of a cheat code. There's a and lot I of still want to hear Washington. what I still want to hear what you have to say because it's still probably he's still probably doing an amazing job. Yeah, but I feel like Washington's kind of a cheat code because Nintendo is. headquarters is Washington. There's so much video game history, so many video games in Washington. Yeah, continue though. So he he brings he brings the online aspect to his physical game store. So oh, he yeah. has a online website, doublejumpvideogames.com. I think like that, but. Excuse me. He gets the word out there. He has daily vlogs where he kind of vlogs his life as a video game store manager. And he, one thing he does is he films all the trade-ins that come in, which I think it's quite cool. like seeing what people bring into trade. 100%. So he films all the trade-ins, shows everything. And it's like, yep, as because these videos are filmed a day in advance. So mm-hmm. he's like, as you guys are seeing these games, if you're local, pop in. They're, they're on already the on the shell. That's smart. If you're, if you're if you're in Michigan where I am, they're already on the website. So yeah, you're doing that. You're and then he's got like, I don't, I don't know. He's made sixty thousand subscribers or whatever. Yeah, but that's sixty thousand subscribers across the world shopping at right. his store in Washington. Right. No, so exactly. Said, There's definitely also, people that can make like, that work like that. Also, just like I have my local game store, yeah. uh, Retro Taco. They're a, they're a half hour away from me, so I'm not in there every day. But I follow their Facebook and their Instagram, and they post on their Facebook and their Instagram every trade in that they get. So then I see something, I'm like, I want that. Maybe I wasn't planning to go to the store today, but I say, put that on hold for me. They say, I got you. And then I'm at their store buying that, looking around, trying to buy other stuff. Yeah. That's... You can't just do a strictly brick and mortar. You have to have an online aspect too. 100. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just it. I think. I was going to talk about like local uh, card shops and stuff. I think they're a little bit different just because like trading card games are like meant to be played in person. Yes. yes. Um, and obviously we're seeing trading card games move online a lot too now, but still like playing in person is different. It's just the way it's supposed to be. And so I think there's to a trading card store owner and kind of how their business practices it. Cause I would assume a lot of their like customers came in and played pokemon or played magic at like table a lot of every trading cards i've been into have, have tables set up for people yeah. to play the games i wonder how their business kind of changed with the pandemic and if they weren't allowed to have people in playing the games they weren't i i, I know uh the the store by me definitely because they're they're pretty big up in ithaca it's called like great escape uh games or whatever and they're pretty big they have multiple tables set up they do warhammer they do magic pokemon flesh and blood every every card any card game you can think of they're they're doing but i know for a fact uh, i had a quick conversation with someone in there a, a little while back but they had to pretty much shut everything down in terms of like in-person play during the pandemic for a yeah. pretty long time and then uh now they're open for like a little bit but i still don't think they do like tournaments and anything yet. exactly um which is a it's kind of it's it's huge and this this store like chris was saying this store has a pretty good online presence and uh is really good at they take like they take their prices are so good dude they sell pokemon and stuff at retail which just also doesn't make sense there's there's one there's a cup there's one store by me that went out of business a year ago and this was like before like the pokemon card I mean, Pokemon game boom, like original Game Boy, when like silver, gold, red were like 25 bucks, they were selling it for like 80. So it's like, you've got to have good prices too. And just, I think the key to being a good 
successful brick and mortar store is having an online presence. But like that's that the, really the only reason if I were to ever go full time selling games, the only reason why I would choose brick and mortar is so the inventory comes to you. Yeah. It's yeah. Such an advantage. Definitely, definitely a huge advantage. If you can make that work, it's huge. Yeah. Because you still have you still have to be able to get the inventory to come to you. Because who's to People say someone know you're there? Yeah. Right. Who's to say someone like me or you isn't gonna snipe that inventory? You know. Exactly. Exactly. People gotta know you're there. But even like Cy Cooper on Washington, he's got this YouTube presence. People watch him. People s- sell him their collections from Ohio, and they mail it to mail his store. Why him. not? Why not just go to the local game store in Ohio? Hundred no, percent. That's you, badass. You, wa- you watch this guy. You like him. You want to support him. So you're shipping your stuff to Washington. Yeah, it's badass. That's good for him. Good for him, dude. And I know That's even a really people cool have angle. Hit, people have hit hit us up on Instagram and sold sold us stuff when they yeah, no doubt. sell it locally or sell it on eBay. But like, they just it's easier just to sell us. They trust us. We we have our online presence, and they know it's going to a good place. Yeah, yeah. So I think with that said, there's just like pros and cons to both. I think it's way harder to make a brick and mortar store work. Yes, I think. But yeah. There's there's some really good benefits to it. Focus solely on one thing, mm-hmm. then you're gonna be hurting. So if and you that's what video, if you run a video game store, don't want to sell just video games. You want to get into plushes or like video game collectibles, or even mm-hmm. you can sell Pokemon cards too, or things like that. Be diverse. The more diverse you are, the more people that are gonna come through your door. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Do you cool. want to? Yeah, I feel like that's it. Anything else? No, I think that was a good episode. Hell yeah. So guys, make sure to hit the like button. Thank you for listening. Number one, like button on YouTube, subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Spotify, um, all the other platforms. I don't know what you do. Maybe Apple rate us on Apple podcast. Yeah. Give us a five-star rating. Throw a comment down. Yet. Yeah. It's a good, good question. Throw us a five-star rating on If you listen on Apple music, support the boys support us with that five-star rating um live claim sales 8 p.m eastern on twitch.tv slash og retro watch my boy uh koozie on twitch what plug your twitch koozie twitch.tv slash koozie seven koozie seven over on twitch uh podcasts obviously you're listening to this but if you need a reminder they come out 7 a.m every monday morning so be on the lookout for the next episode guys thank you so much have a great rest of your day Peace. See ya.